0: Faith stories are powerful things. When we reflect on our faith stories, we really are reflecting God's presence and activity in our lives, and that allows us to grow. When we tell our faith stories, we share the gospel, which is exactly what Christians are called to do. So I'm grateful to our pastor, Emily, for giving us this season as a community to focus on faith stories. I know it will help us grow, and I know it'll help us fulfill our calling to share the gospel. It's been a joy to write a reflection guide for us to use in conjunction with this sermon series, and I invite you to access that from our website or our app. If you access the guide, when you access the guide, you'll notice that it gently leads you to find the words and the categories to tell your story, to share your story. And so it seems only fair that I practice what I write, that I share my faith story with you. And that's my plan for this sermon. But where to begin? How to begin? Well, thankfully, Scripture guides us here. You see, in Scripture, great faith stories usually begin on a mountaintop. Think about it. Noah's ark crashes into Mount Ararat, beginning a new creation for the world. Abraham's sacrifice of his beloved son is halted by God on Mount Moriah. Moses receives the covenant to begin a new relationship with God on Mount Sinai. And Elijah experiences both the power and the still small voice of God on Mount Horeb. These are the moments, the places where God shows up, where God reveals something important and scripture records them in great detail, examples, models for us and our stories. Secular culture has even adopted this biblical metaphor, calling moments of great bliss or peace or happiness or success, mountaintop experiences. But don't be fooled. Biblical mountaintop experiences are more profound, more complex, trickier than that. So let's look closely. Let's begin with Jesus' famous mountaintop experience, the transfiguration, and move from there to considering our own. Let us pray. God, open our eyes to see you and to hear your word this day. Amen. Hear now Luke's version of Jesus' experience on the mountaintop, Jesus' transfiguration. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It was exactly 15 years ago. I remember it clearly because I was standing in my laundry room, of all places, right by the side door of my big, beautiful house in Raleigh, North Carolina, and a delivery van pulled up. The person got out of the van with this huge vase of yellow roses, not unlike this vase here. Spotting me through the window of my mudroom, he headed for my side door, those roses in hand, My dryer door was open, I had wet teenage boy cargo shorts in my hands, and I froze. You see, I was in the process of interviewing churches, trying to get a fresh start for my career, for my family, for my life. And there was this one church that just wouldn't leave me alone. The search committee included some people who knew me that I had pastored before in another church. And they knew I was from Texas, and they wanted me to consider returning home. The yellow roses were from that old song, The Yellow Rose of Texas. And when I spoke with them on the phone or flew in for a visit, they always had yellow roses (laughs) delivered to my house or my hotel. As I watched that large vase of yellow roses come toward me in the laundry room, I had instant clarity, the kind that you rarely get. Instantly, I knew that that church was going to call me and that I was going to say yes. It was a moment when God spoke so clearly that I couldn't deny it. Luke's gospel describes the mountaintop experience of the disciples in a similar way. Suddenly, without warning, Jesus' face changes. Elijah and Moses appear and dirty clothes become whiter than white. Luke says the disciples saw Jesus' glory and the glory of the two with him. That's Bible speak, for their eyes were opened and they recognized God showing up, God's presence, God in Jesus, God in the law, God in the prophets, God in the discussion about Jesus' coming death. It was undeniable, it was real, and it was holy. Friends, here is our first lesson about mountaintop experiences, the experiences we want to reflect upon and welcome into our faith stories. Mountaintop experiences, at their best, are those moments when our eyes and hearts are open, when God shows up, when God says to us or shows to us something so important that our lives are reoriented. Such moments are priceless and they're irreplaceable. But but remember I told you that biblical mountaintop moments are complex, that they're tricky? Just as they make some things crystal clear, just as God shows up and speaks to us and orients our lives in them, at the same time, in these moments, other things can become completely obscured. In these moments, we can become disoriented. In these moments, some things can't be known and we can't see things that we yearn to comprehend. Look at Jesus' disciples on that mountaintop. Sure, they saw the glory, but a cloud also descended and obscured their view. Sure, they watched Jesus chatted up with Elijah and Moses, but they were so sleepy and they were making building plans instead of listening intently. There was so much they couldn't know. Friends, Jesus was transfigured on that mountain, not the disciples. They left that mountain still making huge mistakes, denying Jesus, fighting over first place, unable to do things Jesus asked them to do. Staring at those yellow roses, having heard and seen God's call so clearly and plainly, I guess I should have been grateful and euphoric and peaceful, but let me tell you, friends, I was not. I put that vase on top of my dryer and I stared at those yellow roses. No, 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 I thought. I can't accept a job like this. An associate pastor job? That wasn't my plan. On paper, this was a job for someone two to three years out of seminary. I was about to celebrate my 20th Ordination anniversary, I had a doctorate. I successfully led three churches. I taught preaching for goodness sakes. I ran an entire academic department in a small college. No, 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 no. This was not the plan. This would not support my family. This wouldn't advance my career. Honestly, I was embarrassed. I was humiliated and I hate to admit it, but this happens when we share our faith stories sometimes. My pride and my ego, oh my gosh, they were on full display. This mountaintop moment was so very disoriented. I looked at the roses and I thought, this can't be happening. How could this be so very clear and yet so very wrong all at the same time? You notice that in Luke's gospel, when the disciples stood in their mountaintop moment at the intersection of glory and a thick cloud, God spoke and said to them, this Jesus is my son. Listen to him. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. That's good advice in mountaintop moments. Listen to Jesus. So I did. Jesus who said the last will be first and the first will be last in my kingdom. Jesus who said whoever would be great among you must be a servant. Jesus who said, seek me in my kingdom and everything else will come to you. Jesus who said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I listened and begrudgingly with more bitterness than I care to admit and more unresolved feelings than I want to share. I went. I wish I could tell you that my kids and my husband flourished in our new home that my work and career, they just took off, that we were fine financially, spiritually, and emotionally. But that would not be true. What I can tell you, I faced challenges in those nine years of ministry that took every ounce of ability, experience, skill, and grace that I had. What I can tell you <laughs> is that every now and then, that church would send me roses. Roses. They would show up in my office, birthdays, ordination anniversaries, difficult session meetings, when we faced a staff tragedy, when I had to take leadership that really wasn't my responsibility, when my family and children faltered yellow roses to remind me of that orienting and disorienting mountaintop experience of God's call to that place. What I can tell you? Jesus taught me more about sacrifice, about love, and about service than I ever cared to know. And so five years ago, with a bouquet of yellow roses in my hands, I said goodbye to that wonderful, stronger, healthier congregation, no regrets, amazed at what God had done in them and amazed at what God had done in me and through me, even with my stubbornness, my pride, and my unresolved feelings." There's one more thing that I want you to remember about mountaintop experiences and our stories of faith. You see, important mountaintop experiences have a really, really long shelf life in our faith stories. They have a way of continuing to orient our lives and to disorient our lives for years, for decades. I think of Peter, James, and John. The glory of Jesus' face on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw it again after Jesus' resurrection. That glory became part of their preaching and I suspect it was that glory that stood before them as they faced their own martyr deaths. After leaving that wonderful church five years ago, I came here to Austin and I came here and got busy looking to pastor a church again. I got back to my original plan, interviewing, dreaming of creating a home, dreaming of putting down roots. Dreaming of making a difference by doing something big and significant, using all my gifts. Most of all, I look forward to Al and I being part of a church community as a couple again. Then I got a phone call from a guy named Mark. He needed help, temporary help, at the only church in Austin where Al and I couldn't have a church home. Wesley Hills Presbyterian Church. Al had been the interim there and as such had agreed to sever all ties with that church. No, 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 no. But I agreed to meet with Mark and as we drank iced tea at Radio Coffee, I didn't need yellow roses to hear and see my call. My orienting and disorienting call to be your stated supply slash interim slash interim head of staff slash associate slash senior associate pastor. My story isn't finished yet. I still have plenty of baggage, plenty of ego, plenty of unresolved feelings, lots of questions for God. But these yellow roses remind me that God uses me in ways I can barely imagine writing a story so much larger than my own. And the same is true for you, for your family, for our church. May God open our eyes to mountaintop moments in our past, present, and future. May God help us to sift through the orientation and disorientation that God's truth brings. And may God give us the grace to share those stories with others. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you continue to show up in our lives in moments unexpected. And we thank you that whether things are clear or things are obscured, you never change. Be with us, O God. Help us to sift through these moments and our stories and in that sift to find your glory, to find your presence, to find your power.